welcome in everyone to another episode of now named the Double Move Sports Podcast, episode three. As always, I'm Steph, and I'm here with my buddy Alex. Say what's up to the people. Hello, everybody. This is rivalry week between Steph and I. We're playing each other in fantasy football. So we've got a great show for you here today. I hope not to give out too many of my secrets for this week, (laughs) um, but happy to be here. Um, Like Steph said, we did a little rebrand. We are now Double Move Sports, and we're bringing you the latest and greatest from fantasy football and from around the NFL. I'm I'm so pumped up for this episode. It's going to be great. And yeah, be careful what you say here. Any any fantasy advice that you give out can and will be used against you this week. So you should start t- Isaiah Crowell. My start of the week is Isaiah Crowell. <laughs> well, Alex, how was your week ten of the 2019 NFL season, both around the league and for your team and for your fantasy league? Again, it's mixed emotions. I feel like I haven't had wins across the board all season my fantasy team pulled out the win this week on the back of Kyler Murray's good game Ronald Jones with another breakout week and then Kyle Rudolph putting up two touchdowns for me as a streaming tight end Um, but in the real NFL my Colts lost to the Dolphins at home just a terrible game for Brian Hoyer It, it shows the importance of at least a competent quarterback in the NFL even the Dolphins who have been tanking and trading all their good players still have enough to beat the Indianapolis Colts Um, in Indianapolis so very disappointing there I think the Colts will bounce back with Jacoby Brissett getting in a full practice today and looking like he's going to play this week but overall a little bit of everything a little little bit of a win and then a loss there with the Colts what about you Steph yeah so the game of American football is an absolutely punishing game it's a brutal sport and so is fantasy football which is why it feels so much better when you have one of those incredible weekends my Browns won against the Bills. I, I believe they were favored. I'm not sure, but they still beat them. Uh, I turned $5 into $55 in DFS this week, and both of my fantasy teams got the win. So I'm sitting at 5-5 five and five in both leagues, feeling pretty good, um, and really got lucky on that Monday night game when Emmanuel Sanders went out early, only put up 4.4 fantasy points in our PPR league, and that pretty much secured me the victory. Uh, I was projected to lose by about 40 all week long, so when that happened, I was just going nuts. Uh, It was a pretty fun week. Uh, Shout out to Christian Kirk. My start of the week last week absolutely went off, Uh, won me that DFS lineup, and then uh, Golden Tate and Danny Dimes absolutely crushed it for me as well this week. Uh, But speaking of that Monday night game, man, this, this NFL weekend was really more about the losses than it was the wins. We had so many crazy losses and and upsets this weekend. We had the Seahawks beating the 49ers 27 to 24. The Steelers beat the Rams 17 to 12. The Finns, like you said, they beat your Colts, unfortunately, by just two points, 16 to 14. Uh, My Browns beat the Bills uh, 16 to 19 was that final score in that game. And then really what I see is the most shocking one of the whole weekend was The Tennessee Titans beat the Chiefs in Nashville uh, 35-32. to I I was pretty shocked by that there. We were doing some pick-em on Saturday night while we were watching the uh, LSU-Alabama game, and I was going through, and I was, oh, for sure the Chiefs get a win here. But who knew the Titans had that in them? Yeah, that was a really rough game for the Chiefs. And if I'm the Chiefs, I'm getting a little bit worried about that defense. The offense is obviously great. 
Patrick Mahomes is back. He looks healthy. He had a fantastic game. But on defense, they just could not stop the run, and that's been a theme for them this season. When the Colts beat them in Kansas City, Marlon Mack ran all over them. In this game, Derrick Henry went for 188 yards and two touchdowns. Just absolutely gashed him on the ground. Um, and and we, we saw how, how to beat the tight or how to beat the Chiefs. It's a blueprint that's been laid out all season. Every single one of their losses has been characterized by um, getting gashed on the ground. So if, if I'm the Chiefs, I'm a little bit worried. I think they have some work to do um, stopping up the run before they're they're going to be a serious Super Bowl contender compared to the Patriots or the Ravens. Uh, outside of that Chiefs Titans game, were there any other games that were pretty shocking to you? Yeah, for me, the most shocking was the Falcons beating the Saints in New Orleans. The Saints have been fantastic this year, and that's without Drew Brees for a big chunk of the season, without Alvin Kamara for several games. And the Falcons have been absolutely atrocious. Their defense has been one of the worst defenses I can remember um, for as long as I've been watching football. And they come into the Superdome, and they sacked Drew Brees six times, and they just absolutely dominated that game. The Saints' offense couldn't get anything going. The Falcons' offense did just enough. And that's with with Devontae Freeman going down with an injury. Brian Hill got 21 touches. Austin Hooper went down. And they were able to just dominate that game. So maybe it's a turning point for the Atlanta Falcons, but that's the one that blew my mind. Um, And on top of that, I just think the Saints, they should be a little worried. That offensive line just got absolutely demolished by what's been, like I said before, an absolutely terrible pass rush. So if I'm the Saints, I'm a little bit worried. I think they're going to get it back together personally. Definitely one that I don't think anybody expected to see. Um, So speaking of being worried, Steph, which team that got beat this week do you think should be the most concerned moving forward? Yeah, for me, it has to be the Rams. They're really not looking like a playoff team this year. You know, they're five and four in the NFC West with the eight and one Niners and the eight and two Seahawks in that division as well. Their defense hasn't been as dominant as they have been in previous years. But even with that, I think a lot of this comes down to the offense, specifically Goff. You know, yes, I know they were without Brandon Cooks, but you know, some of these stat lines that Jared Goff is putting up are absolutely atrocious. And and the Steelers absolutely shut him down. Against the Steelers, he had a 53% completion percentage, zero touchdowns, and two interceptions. So he didn't score and then get picked off, got picked off twice. I think one was a pick six by Minka Fitzpatrick. Damn, I can't talk. <laughs> by Minka Fitzpatrick. And, you know, there's been a couple other games this season that have been kind of like this. You know, the 49ers shut Goff down. He only threw for 78 yards and completed less than 55% of his passage in that game. Uh, against the Panthers, he only threw for 186 with one touchdown and one interception. And in a Buccaneers shootout earlier this year, I believe that was week three, he did throw 517 yards, so nothing to take away from him there. But he threw two touchdowns and three interceptions. I mean, three interceptions will lose an entire game. So I think a lot to blame here is on Goff, and I'm not really sure what the issue is with him. It could be, you know, McVeigh's trying to let him struggle a little bit so he can learn. Um, we saw them kind of get exposed, relying on McVeigh's offensive mind more than Goff's ability to read defenses in the Super Bowl. And there's a really good article on that. I don't remember who put it out, but great read on how the Patriots were really able to stop the Rams in that Super Bowl. 
at least to me, it feels like McVay really just wants Goff to go through some of the slumps and go through some of the difficulties that he needs to so he can learn and get better. I at least hope that's the case as a guy who's very supportive of the Rams. Well, to me, I think I think McVay obviously doesn't want Goff to go through slumps. I think if it was up to him, they'd be as successful as they were last year. I, what I see the problem being is the offensive line. It's really easy to attribute Sean McVay's offensive mind to the success that they had last year, but the offensive line last year was one of the best in the league. This year, they're getting absolutely crumbled on every single play, and it's causing a lot of problems for Jared Goff and a lot of problems for that running game. And Jared Goff's a guy who just signed an $134 million contract after leading the Rams to the Super Bowl last year, and I think they might be questioning if he's worth it. I want to read a couple guys in their stat lines for this season, and I want you to try to guess which one is Jared Goff. The first one is throwing for 253 yards a game. He's got 13 touchdowns and four interceptions, pretty good ratio, and a 92 passer rating. Player B is throwing for 290 yards a game, 11 touchdowns and nine interceptions, almost one-to-one, and an 82 passer rating. And player C is throwing for 228 yards a game, so a little bit less volume, but he has 10 touchdowns to five interceptions and an 87 passer rating. Any idea which one's Jared Goff? If I had to guess, I feel like B is Baker. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I'll say C is Jared Goff. So player A, who is 250 yards a game and 13 touchdowns to four interceptions, is actually Gardner Minshew. Wow. B was Jared Goff with only 11 touchdowns and nine interceptions. Wow. And C was... uh, (laughs) Allen for the Panthers was Kyle Allen uh, at 10 touchdowns and five interceptions. So of these three guys, Jared Goff actually has the lowest passer rating. And these are two guys that were backups going into the season that no one expected anything from. It's interesting that Goff, I think, gets by because of his name. But when you really crunch the numbers, there's a lot of quarterbacks in this league that are putting up much better numbers than Jared Goff and have been a lot more consistent. So if I'm the Rams, I'm worried. And I think it stems back to that offensive line kind of transitioning away from this past weekend a bit and looking at some individual breakout performances that we saw there's a trio of running backs that have kind of emerged in their backfields we have Devin Singletary Ronald Jones and Kenyon Drake who have all splashed onto the scene in the past two weeks Devin Singletary in his last two games had 20 carries for 95 yards and a touchdown and then last week he had eight carries for 42 yards and added three catches Ronald Jones, two games ago, had 18 carries for 67 yards and a touchdown. And last week, he had 11 carries for 29 yards and a touchdown, but added eight catches and 77 yards through the air. And Kenyon Drake had 15 carries for 110 yards and a touchdown two weeks ago, and last week had 10 carries for 35 yards. And it looks like he might be gaining some share in that backfield over David Johnson. So out of these three players, which ones are for real? Which ones are just a fluke? And which guy would you take rest of season in fantasy football? Yeah, so I think everybody has seen my Devin Singletary video. It's gotten some mixed reviews, but so so far I have been correct. I said he was a sell high after a really, really strong game against the Redskins. I think he'll enter that sell high availability again after this weekend in Miami. Unfortunately, I have to play against him because you have him, Alex. (laughs) I'm very excited, very excited about that. But I think he will have a good fantasy day uh, against Miami. 
And then after that, I think it's back into sell-high time for him. Uh, he has a pretty tough matchup, and looks like he's not going to be able to get as much of the volume, which we saw uh, this last weekend against the Browns. So my pick of those three, in terms of who I want rest of season, for me, it's actually Kenyon Drake. David Johnson's health looks extremely questionable. He didn't look good in that game last weekend against the Buccaneers. Yeah, one of the ones that, that we told you to look out for, actually. Uh, that did end up turning into a shootout, and still David Johnson wasn't on the field as much. in the Like you said, the 49ers game, Drake had 10 for 135 and a touchdown on the ground, 4 for 62 through the air. That's a monster game. I don't expect him to have that every single week, but... You know, in games where Kyler's going to need to air it out deep, and I think that's kind of what we saw in the Buccaneers game, uh, just kind of these deep, deep passes every single time, not too many checkdowns, and for good reason, Christian Kirk was wide open. Um, but I do think that Kenyon Drake will be a guy that you can start rest of season. I think Chase Edmonds is still not healthy. Um, so until he comes back, maybe they start splitting carries. But I, I think Kenyon Drake is a great start. I think he's going to take over that backfield, which we have seen generate a lot of value. Yeah, I think I think that's a good take, and I think all three are guys who you can probably put in your RB2 spot for the next several weeks, and, and you're going to be fine. For me, it's honestly Devin Singletary, and I know that you've got him as a sell high after this week against Miami, but of these three guys, I just look at Kenyon Drake, and I, I can't help but believe that David Johnson will continue to get carries in that backfield. They have the 49ers this week and a bye next week. I think Edmonds will be back at least after the bye, which is going to turn that into a three-way timeshare, and that just gets a little bit messy. And then Ronald Jones has been great the last two weeks, but this week he only had two yards per carry, and he also had a fumble. And I think that eight catches for 77 yards is a bit of a fluke. I think Agumbawale will cut into that moving forward, and I think Peyton Barber still gets a lot of the goal line work, and Ronald Jones has just happened to be the one to fall into the end zone for the past two weeks. So for me, kind of by default, it's Devin Singletary. He just seems like the guy with the most upside. He only had eight carries for 42 yards this week, but he had a great yards per carry average. Frank Gore didn't look like anything special again, but we all know that he seems to be infinite and is going to keep getting carries for this Bills team. Um, but Singletary had another three catches this week. He's had three catches in each of the last two games, and I think he's going to continue to be the leading um, receiving back in that backfield. And if this guy's getting 12 to 15 touches a game, I think he can do a lot with it. So for me, I think it's Singletary just because he has that high upside. But I think all three are fine in your running back two slot for the time being. So you're going to disagree with my Singletary take. I, I guess that's fine. We'll see how it plays out. Maybe a water bet somewhere in there. But speaking of guys that we've broken down lately, I just dropped a Kareem Hunt fantasy film room. Go check that out if you haven't. Uh, talking about some of the uses that he's going to get. So speaking of guys that are kind of breaking out, what is your outlook rest of season for Kareem Hunt? You know what mine is on the video, but I'm interested to hear, Alex, what you have. Yeah, I was actually really surprised to see how much Kareem Hunt was used this week. He was on the field for 55% of snaps, and a lot of those snaps were along with Nick Chubb. A lot of people, including myself, thought it might be an either-or situation. But the Browns are kind of desperate for any kind of playmaker they can get right now. And Chubb still had over 20 carries and over 100 yards in this game. Um, Kareem Hunt was able to have 11 total touches. He had four carries for 30 yards and seven catches for 44 yards. So for me, I'm interested in Kareem Hunt. And I think he's a guy who can be flexed on um, a given week, depending on matchup. I think both... Hunt and Chubb can succeed in this backfield. 
the Browns right now, behind Odell and behind Jarvis Landry, they don't really have a go-to number three receiver. So I think Hunt is taking on a little bit of that Duke Johnson role, Duke Johnson role that was left vacant. And then I think he has more upside on the ground as a runner. We've seen what he can do. Um, he's been a Pro Bowl player in this league, and he's still super young. So I like Kareem Hunt rest of season. If and if I've got him on my bench, I'm fine with him as a flex play. I hear a rumor out on the streets that Alex is producing a very, very hot Devontae Parker video. Yeah, I think the rumors are correct, Steph. And Devontae Parker has been such a... He seems like he's been an overhyped player in the league for so long. Every year in training camp, you hear, oh, Devontae Parker is making crazy plays. He's the clear number one in Miami. This is his breakout season. And every year, he's shown some flashes of that. But it seems like he's always disappointed. And this year, I think even on this terrible Dolphins team, we're seeing Devontae Parker break out a bit. And I think under the covers of what the Dolphins have been this season, Devontae Parker has really been a bright spot. Last week, he had five catches for 69 yards, but that was on 10 targets. And that's the first game that Preston Williams has been out this season. And we saw 10 targets. And with Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing the ball, it's a clear upgrade to Josh Rosen. And Devontae Parker, I think has some A.J. Green in him. The video I'm working on now actually has some comps with Devontae Parker and A.J. Green. They're both six foot three. Um, they're both around 215 pounds. They both use their body very well when they're going one-on-one against cornerbacks. So I think Devontae Parker actually might have a late breakout. It didn't come in the first couple years of his career like we all expected. But I think this might be the season where Devontae Parker comes on strong and then going into next year, the Dolphins having draft picks, the Dolphins improving on offense – and quite frankly on defense is just going to be great for Devontae. Um, I think we could see him have a little bit of a late breakout here and the end of his season looks awesome. I mean, he's got a tough one against Buffalo this week, but after that he's got Cleveland, Philly, the Jets, the Giants, and the Bengals. So if I've got Devontae Parker and I'm flexing him, I'm actually pretty confident going into the fantasy playoffs and I think he could be one of those guys that breaks onto the scene as we close out the year. Awesome. I can't wait for that video. Really looking forward to that comparison with A.J. Green. I do think physically they are similar. Would love to see them run some of the same routes and see what that looks like. Now let's move over to one of everybody's favorite segments, the fantasy starts of the week for week 11. I think last week we both had some pretty major hits, um, especially with Christian Kirk. For me, that was like you know one of the, the highlights of the weekend to see a guy be the wide receiver one after calling him out on our first ever fantasy starts of the week hopefully we can keep that going Uh, but let's let's go through it quarterback wide receiver running back tight end I'll start us off with one that some may find a little bit questionable it's Nick Foles Uh, he's against the 13th ranked Colts defense but what I think here is and there's something I haven't said is that I wouldn't start him if you have other options, you know, don't start him if you have Josh Allen. Don't start him if you have, you know, Derek Carr, who has a great matchup this week, which I think you'll talk about here in a second. What I see in Nick Foles is a philosophy you sometimes take into a risk, which is there's upside in the unknown. You know, and just as one game back, Nick Foles did throw a touchdown in just five attempts. I believe it was five receptions on eight attempt any attempts, and he looked good. Uh, the Jags paid him a ton to be their starter. He looked great in the preseason. So if you really want to shoot your shot, if you're desperate for a quarterback, or you're looking at the projections and you're down 40 or 50, 
maybe throw Nick Foles out there. Uh, the Colts just got beat by the Finns. I know that's more re- related to Brian Hoyer uh, than anything else, but I think Nick Foles can have a pretty solid game against their defense, and there's always some major, major upside. Yeah, that's a pretty deep pick, Steph, and I don't think I can question any, any of your picks after last week. You nailed just about every position. You had Jameis and Kyler at quarterback. They were both fantastic. Kirk at receiver. You picked Gerald Everett at tight end, who had a really solid game. And you had Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler at running back. So between your Browns winning, your fantasy teams winning, your DFS picks, and then your starts of the week, I think last week was a full sweep for you. You hit for the cycle. Um, So, yeah, I think Nick Foles is a great pick. Um, If you're in a deeper league or you're really struggling, um, you might have guys on by, things like that. But for me, you alluded to it. I'm going to pick Derek Carr this week. He's QB 19 on the year, but he's playing Cincinnati. Cincinnati is 30th this year against quarterbacks. They're giving up 23 fantasy points a game to the quarterback position. Um, And Derek Carr has actually been surprisingly good. I don't think he's being talked about very much because he's not throwing the ball down the field a ton. But he's actually second in the NFL in completion percentage. He's completing 70% of his passes. And he's sixth in the NFL in passer rating. He's ahead of guys like Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady. So he's been effective and he's been efficient. He just hasn't had a ton of volume. I think this week against a very weak Cincinnati Bengals defense, we see Derek Carr aired out a little bit, might throw a couple touchdowns. Um, And I think he's a pretty safe play at quarterback. Nice. I like that pick there. Now going to running back. I'll let you start with this one. Who is your RB start of the week in week 11? My running back start of the week is Brian Hill for the Atlanta Falcons. He plays the Carolina Panthers this week, who surprisingly are 28th against running backs in fantasy football this season. And Brian Hill is kind of the last man standing. He had 21 touches last week after Devontae Freeman went out with an injury. And as we know, Ido Smith is on IR. They traded Mohamed Sanu to the Patriots, and Austin Hooper went out with an injury. So in Atlanta, there's really not a ton left. You've got Julio Jones, obviously, who's going to command a lot of volume. Calvin Ridley is a boomer bust guy, but he should get an uptick in targets. And then you're looking, and you got Brian Hill. You might have Russell Gage in the slot, um, get a few targets. But the ball's got to go somewhere. I expect this to be a high over-under game because Atlanta's defense hasn't been great this season. And Brian Hill, just from a volume standpoint, has a good chance to pick up 100 all-purpose yards and a touchdown this week. So roll out Brian Hill. I know he's not your household name, but he should be a confident start at running back this week. Awesome. And my running back start of the week, it's a guy you've had to play now two weeks in a row in fantasy. It's Damien Williams. I'm starting him against you, and I want to give everybody else out there the stamp of approval. You can go ahead and start Damien Williams this week. I know there's been some sketchiness and some funny business in the Kansas City backfield, but over the last two games, Williams has gotten 31 carries on seven receptions. Against the Titans last week, McCoy was essentially a healthy scratch. Now, he was essentially just inactive for that game, not due to any injury. And I think that's really all you needed to hear. I don't know what they're going to do with McCoy. Maybe there was some off-the-field stuff. Don't really know what happened there, but pretty bizarre. And we saw Damon Williams get most of the work. Uh, add that into you know, Mahomes' back. And he looked pretty good. He, he definitely passed my eye test last weekend. Uh, looks like he's back to you know old Damian Williams form, at least when he was with Kansas City. And I think Kansas City will get into a lot of shootouts uh, because their defense isn't great. So now yeah, stamp of approval here. Fire up Damian Williams. I think he'll get a lot of work in the passing game and probably get some goal line work. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. I think Damian Williams is, like you said, just being the running back in the Chiefs offense 
just about any running back, if they're the running back in the Chiefs offense, would be a good play in fantasy football. So especially with LaShawn McCoy being mysterious, and we don't know if that's because they're preserving him, like Andy Reid said, or whether that's because of some fumble issues we've seen. Either way, it seems like LaShawn McCoy's in the doghouse a bit. So Damian Williams has looked great the past two weeks, and I think that's a fine play. And I'm really not looking forward to him not looking forward to playing him in fantasy for the second week in a row. So moving on to wide receiver, my start of the week is Mohamed Sanu. Mohamed Sanu is coming off of the bye week with New England, and they're playing Philadelphia this week. And Philadelphia has been atrocious against wide receivers this year. They gave up a 43 fantasy point game to Stephon Diggs earlier in the season. And Compared to the rest of the league, they're 25th against wide receivers. So, Mohamed Sanu is coming into his second game with New England. And in that first game, a lot of people took the wait-and-see approach to see what kind of role he would have. And he went out against Baltimore and had 10 catches on 14 targets. Um, He scored a touchdown in that game. And it seems like he's really already built an incredibly strong rapport with Tom Brady. He's the number two in that offense behind Julian Edelman. And I think in a New England offense, that's probably going to pass the ball early and often against a susceptible Philadelphia defense is going to mean plenty of opportunity for Muhammad Sanu in this game. So receiving passes from Tom Brady um, obviously doesn't hurt. And I think there's a good chance Muhammad Sanu goes for another solid seven catches in this game. And I think he could find the end zone again. Yeah. You always know there's opportunities for end zone touches whenever you're on the Patriots. Now, my wide receiver start of the week is Hollywood Brown. Last week, they had that soft Cincinnati defense that they were up against. You know, same reason you started Derek Carr. And Hollywood Brown went four for 80 in a touchdown. Now, this week, the Texans come into Baltimore, and they're the 30th ranked defense against wide receivers. I think Hollywood Brown is set up for a big day here. We've seen what he can do, and he really only needs a few targets to have a great fantasy day for you. You know, like I said, four targets, or I'm sorry, four receptions last week, he took that for 80 and a touchdown. So, you know, 20 yards per reception there. You know, you think he has maybe a 50-yard or a 40-yard touchdown in him in this game against the Texans, which should be a shootout. I think you can go ahead and lock that in um, and start Hollywood Brown this week. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. I I think the Houston defense has been a little bit weaker than people realize this season. Obviously, their high-powered offense causes opposing offenses to, to throw the ball throughout the entire game. They, they provide some really positive game scripts. And with Lamar playing at the level he is, I think Hollywood Brown is, is a good candidate to maybe get a bomb in this game. So moving on to tight ends, Steph, who do you have? I'm going to let you go first here um, at the tight end position. Yeah, so we know that the tight end position is pretty brutal right now. It's a tough landscape. Uh, but I have to go with a guy that you're probably starting if you have him. Um, I actually have him and Mark Andrews in one of my leagues, still waiting for that trade call. But it's Greg Olson. Uh, he's been consistent this year, you know, averaging 10 points per game. He's had you know two or three really tough matchups. He had a goose egg and a game against Jacksonville. But in this Panthers-Falcons game here in Week 11, the Falcons' defense and their secondary specifically is torn up with injury, and they allow the highest passer rating in the NFL. So thinking, you know, Kyle Allen will throw it. Uh, He's a guy that a lot of of folks are plugging in from the waivers. I know I am against you uh, this weekend, but I think Kyle Allen's going to need to throw and I think he'll be accurate. And when you look at the passing game, yes, uh, DJ Moore will probably get the most targets and the most receptions, but I think Greg Olson, you know, he's middle of the road uh, or the Falcons, I should say, are middle of the road 
against the tight end, but Olsen isn't your average tight end. I think he's just the pinnacle of consistency. I think you can plug him in this week. Uh, he had eight receptions last week, and he's only had two touchdowns this year. Uh, usually he gets a couple uh, end zone touches and scores a few times, but this year he's only had two, and both were against Arizona. I think, I think he's due uh, for another trip to the end zone as well. So Greg Olson, my start of the week at tight end. Alex, give me yours. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. Definitely a candidate for some positive regression in the touchdown category. He's coming off a season-high eight catches against Green Bay, so I think moving into that game against Atlanta, he's definitely due for a big game. My start of the week at tight end is Jared Cook. Jared Cook is a guy who was really disappointing through the first several weeks of the season. You probably drafted him as a top 10 tight end um, in draft season this year, but he's really come on strong in the past three games. His past three fantasy outputs have been 14, 12, and 13, Obviously, the, the first two of those were a bit earlier in the season as he's missed some time due to injury. But he's playing Tampa Bay this week, and that's a game that should be a shootout. I think Drew Brees and Jameis Winston will go back and forth. And just like we said about Olsen, I think Jared Cook's a good candidate to see the end zone. And last week against the, against the Falcons, he actually saw 10 targets. So he's getting volume. He's a touchdown candidate. And Drew Brees, outside of Michael Thomas, doesn't have a ton of big targets in the end zone. So I think Jared Cook is a good bet to, to get 15 points this week. I think he could have five catches for 50 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I love that pick. Let's lock it in. And now, Alex, from what I understand, I see it here on the show, Doc. I got a little bit of an explanation, but give us this little game that we're going to play uh, where we're drafting some different wide receivers and talking about outside of, of fantasy, you know, some of the outlook on some different guys. Yeah, so let me set the stage for us here. It's it's the 2020 NFL Draft. Team Steph and Team Alex have just selected their young franchise quarterback. And each of us get to pick three wide receivers in the NFL to put around our young quarterback to grow um, in their career. So you, you've got a young guy. You want to develop this guy. What kind of weapons are you going to want to put around him to set him up for success. And so we're just going to go back and forth draft style, picking current NFL wide receivers, maybe with some different skill sets, to set up our young quarterbacks for success. So, Steph, since this was kind of my um, draft topic, I'm going to let you kick it off with the first pick. Um, so what do you have for us? Yeah, so knowing the kind of mentality that Team Steph is going to take into the draft, we're definitely going to get a gunslinger at quarterback, which means I want to equip him with Tyreek Hill. You took my uh, pick. A- Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> you got to put Tyreek Hill in there. He's still young. He's one of the fastest guys. I-, I swear he is. I don't know his 40 time off the top of my head, but I swear when you see him on the field, he is the fastest guy out there. And I want to give my young gunslinger quarterback, my uh, Mahomes light, uh, I want to give him a deep threat where he can take it to the house on any play that opens up all the potential on the upside to have Tyreek on the field. So that's definitely my pick uh, starting uh, if I had to pick today on who I would surround my franchise quarterback with. Alex, draft style, so let me pass it back to you. Wow, that's that's tough. I, I'm tilting pretty hard right now. He was I, I thought there's no <laughs> way you're taking Tyree Kill, and now I'm looking for a speed guy, and oh, like no. John Ross popped it in my head, and I had to <laughs> shut that off. Um, great minds think alike. Yeah, I think, Tyre, I think Tyreek's a great pick just because there's really not anybody else like him in the NFL. Uh, but with my pick, I'm going to go with Michael Thomas. He is an absolute force on the outside. He's only 26 years old, and he's on pace this year to set the single-season reception record. 
it hasn't really mattered who his quarterback has been. Obviously, Drew Brees has has had a really good rapport with Michael Thomas over the years. But even when Teddy stepped in, Michael Thomas's production didn't miss a beat. And he's a guy who uses his body so well when he runs routes. And he actually doesn't create very much separation a lot of the time. And what that means is you can throw to him when he's not open and he's actually open. Um, so Michael Thomas, he's an end zone threat. Um, you can just pepper him with targets and he's probably going to come down with the ball even if there's a defender all over him. He's young. And I think that's a perfect um, prototype receiver to give your own quarterback. Yeah, so my next wide receiver, and, and I'm going to go with the guy that maybe some people wouldn't expect, but my philosophy here is is give give our quarterback a deep threat, give him kind of a 50-50 ball guy, uh, and then the third one, give him a possession guy. Give him, give him a guy who's going to catch every ball you throw at him, and while Michael Thomas definitely fits that bill, one guy I'd like to throw in there is Jarvis Landry. He has the record for most receptions in just five seasons of the NFL. He's now going to get that sixth season this year. I believe he's only three receptions away from that. I think Jarvis Landry is a guy that brings a lot, not just to the field, but also to the locker room. You see him fired up. He came into Cleveland after being in Miami for four years and was a leader on day one. You guys all remember Bless Him and and, and the mentality that he took to that locker room. Bless, Bless him. him. But I think uh, Jarvis Landry would be a great guy that I'd want to really kind of mentor my young quarterback uh, and a guy who's going to catch the ball a ton. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. And another guy I definitely had on my list, he was a bit further down, but you can't go wrong with Jarvis. He really compliments Tyreek pretty well in the setup that you've got going there. Um, so moving on, I'm, I'm going to take DeAndre Hopkins. He's, he's 27 years old, and he obviously is a absolute monster, and he doesn't drop about any passes. I think last season he set the record for most catches without a drop. This season he's had a couple, um, but there's no doubting the talent of DeAndre Hopkins. And I think pairing him with Michael Thomas from the defense's side, it's, it's just like how do you guard both? So my, my initial strategy coming in was to get a speed guy, pair him with a 50-50 guy, and then maybe an underneath guy like you just mentioned. But when you stole Tyreek, I think I'm going to have to tilt a little bit and pair um, DeAndre Hopkins with Michael Thomas on the outside. So kicking it back over to you, what do you got? All right, so my third one here, I got to go with just a big target. I want a 6'5 guy. And, you know, one of the best 6'5 wide receivers in the NFL is Mike Evans. He's only 26 years old, and he's just an absolute beast. When you see him on the field, you know, he towers over everybody, uh, and he's made some incredible receptions. He has the speed along with the 50 50 ball ability. Uh, to be effective. We've seen him have monster games. He's one of those guys that, you know, when he gets hot, even with Jameis Winston at quarterback, uh, to, to give my gunslinger a guy he can really uh, mesh with, get hot with, and just throw it up for him, whether it's in the red zone or on a, you know, 20-yard pass, I think Mike Evans would be a great guy to throw onto that team as well. You know, there's a reason he was one of the highest paid in the league uh, when the Buccaneers extended him. Uh, so he's my pick as that third one there and completing my team of Tyreek Hill, Jarvis Landry and Mike Evans. Wow, that's a pretty scary, scary receiving core you got there. Um, and and yeah, I agree. Mike Evans has been absolutely fantastic. Um, obviously, he's had some tough quarterback play with Jameis Winston throwing the ball everywhere and a bit of a carousel last year with Ryan Fitzpatrick coming into the mix. But through it all, he stayed relatively consistent and he stayed the number one option on that team. Um, so for me. I'm looking at a guy who's going to get me some underneath routes, who's got some speed, some crispy route running to pair with Michael Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins. So I'm going to go with Stephon Diggs. 
Stefan Diggs is only 25 years old, and he's been said to be one of the best route runners in the entire NFL. I think he's a deep threat, but he can also just eat your lunch underneath. And I think if he was in an offense that passed with a little bit more volume than the Minnesota Vikings, we'd be talking about him with some of these records that we've talked about with Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas. So Stephon Diggs is my pick. I, I thought about guys like Julio Jones, but he's 30 years old. I want someone a little younger than that. OBJ was obviously in the discussion. I actually considered Cooper Cup a bit too um, with how good he's been this season. But Diggs is the pick here, and he rounds out my team of Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, and Stephon Diggs to pair with my young quarterback. Yeah, great picks right there. Uh, I think that quarterback would be set up very well for success. Uh, my honorable mentions were Juju Smith-Schuster and Hollywood Brown, the rookie, to pair with our QB. Uh, but now let's shift gears a little bit to games to watch this weekend in Week 11. I think the one at the top of everybody's list it's got to be the 7-2 and two Ravens, who are four-point favorites at home against the 6-3 and three Houston Texans. Absolutely. This game is going to be awesome. And at this point, I think everyone is tuning in to every single game that Lamar Jackson plays. He had some incredible highlight reel uh, season-defining plays last week. I think we all saw the one where he spun and, and forced three defenders to fall over on his way to a 40-yard touchdown. And... On the other side of the ball, you got Deshaun Watson and a guy we just talked about in DeAndre Hopkins. This Texans offense has been great. Uh, I think this is this is going to be a shootout. The over-under certainly indicates so at 49.5 points. Will Fuller should be back to stretch the field for the Texans. And I think we're going to get some fireworks here. And Deshaun Watson's another guy who's been in the MVP talk. So I think... Deshaun Watson against Lamar Jackson. Just get your popcorn ready and get ready for a good game. Yeah, I wish we could somehow flex that game into the Sunday night game. Unfortunately, that Ravens-Texans game is actually at 1 uh, Eastern time, I should say. So flex that Ravens-Texans game. Let's let's start a petition for that or something. Uh, get Goodell to sign off. Now, another game that I'm looking forward to this weekend, and we, we talked about their some of their woes in Week 10, which is the 7-2 Saints against the 3-6 and six Buccaneers. Look, every game, every week, we know that the Buccaneers have shootout potential in any game that they're playing. You know, we saw them go in and beat the Rams. Uh, I believe that was like a 54 to 43 point game. Something like that was the final score. I think this has shootout potential. You know, yes, I think the Bucs will lose. I, I, I'm not too concerned about the Saints. Um you know, while I do think they need to be a little bit worried, you know, every team has bad games. And I don't think the Buccaneers can do enough on defense to stop that loaded roster uh, with Kamara, Michael Thomas, and all those guys. Uh, Andrew Brees, of course. Uh, so I, th- I think the Saints take this one. I actually think they'll cover the spread pretty pretty handily here, five and a half point favorites. Um, but really looking forward to that one. It's also just a tough divisional matchup. Yeah, the Bucks have actually been a pretty tough beat this year. They, they've lost to the 49ers. They actually beat the Panthers in Carolina on that Thursday night game when Cam Newton um, really exposed that he was hurt. And they beat the Rams in L.A. Um, they, they only lost to the Saints by a touchdown. They took Seattle to overtime this past week. So even though the, the Buccaneers' win-loss record doesn't really reflect much at 3-6, and six, they've been a pretty tough beat. So I think that's going to be a pretty exciting game. Certainly would also rather watch that one on Sunday night than watching uh, Mitch Trubisky and Jared Goff go head-to-head. 
Um, so, so yeah, I, I think that's one that's exciting. I, I think the Saints will come back strong and cover in this game. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how they're able to bounce back from that loss last week. So one last game I have circled on my schedule is the New England Patriots at the Philadelphia Eagles. The Patriots are three-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. It's a 44-and-a-half-point over-under. The Patriots are coming off their bye week last week with a loss to the Ravens the week before. So Belichick's wrath is going to come out, and I'd be pretty scared if I was the Eagles right now. Um, the Eagles' pasty has been pretty bad, as we mentioned earlier. And Carson Wentz has been a bit middle of the road, but they're hanging in there so far this season. I believe they're 5-4. and four. Is that correct, Steph? Yeah, I can look that up for you real quick here. Yeah, so the Eagles are 5-4. and four. Well, I should say tied for first, actually, with the Cowboys in the NFC East. They're fighting for that division. I think it's a big game for the Eagles, and this is one that's a real test. Uh, they're, they're obviously, like you said, pushing for that that division, and if they don't win the division, they'll be right in the wild card race. So I think this is a big test for the Eagles. If they lose, 5-5 five and five isn't really a place you want to be with how competitive, competitive the NFC looks this year. So if they're able to beat the Patriots, it is at home. I think the Eagles might gain some momentum and really make a push there in the NFC East. What do you think, Steph? Yeah, I agree. This is one I, I have circled as well. Um, definitely going to spend more time watching that game than I will the uh, Rams at home versus Chicago. Uh, that's for sure. But I do think there are some interesting aspects to that Rams game. I think this would be the nail in the coffin for them if they do lose to Chicago, being six and a half point favorites. And, and do you, you like you said, the over under there was like 40. Uh, so Vegas thinks it's a defensive game. Uh, I think it will be so. We're going to see Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald kind of go back and forth here against struggling quarterbacks. Um, But I do think the Rams offense has enough still left in the tank, even without Cooks, even with Goff's woes, that they're just going to take this one pretty handily. Um, I'll probably flip it on if if it gets close in the fourth quarter, but totally expecting the Rams to win this game. Uh, But nonetheless, there's some narratives that are going to be built on this matchup on Sunday night. Yeah, I've got the Bears to cover in this one. I think the Rams win the game, but I think the Bears cover that six-and-a-half-point spread. It's just such a low implied point total that I think it's going to be tough for the Rams um, to put up enough points on this Bears defense um, to cover so it'll be interesting I think it's a brutal matchup at quarterback Steph if you were forced to pick one to play in fantasy this week who are you taking Jared Goff or Mitch Trubisky oh man uh I think I gotta take without looking at the matchups and, and the defensive rankings I'm just gonna go with my gut and say Goff Goff at home uh usually has pretty good home splits versus the road you know maybe he's not gonna give you a you know 28 point fantasy week but I think you can lock him in for somewhere between 10 to 20 yeah, I, I obviously stay away from either side in this game. Um, but after we after we destroyed Mitch Trubisky last week, I just wanted to see how bad it had gotten for Jared Goff. Uh, <laughs> fortunately for Jared, we still would take him over Mitch Trubisky this week. Who I will say, he Mitch had a pretty good game last yeah. week against Detroit. He threw for three touchdowns, only threw 173 yards. wasn't really expected to do much in that game, but. But, yeah, I'd stay away from both quarterbacks in this game, and I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, which, from a fantasy perspective, means temporary expectations if you have anybody on the Rams or the Bears' side of the ball. So, Alex, I want to play a game real quick. Pop quiz for you. Who is the 16th-ranked wide receiver in fantasy on the year? Unfortunately, it's Allen Robinson. I think we talked about him last week, and I was pretty surprised to see that he was up near a wide receiver one. Yeah, I had uh, some Twitter accounts this weekend calling me out. I said, sit, Rob, uh, Allen Robinson. Uh, you know, he still had a respectable game, 14.6 
PPR fantasy points. Um, but I was getting grilled a little bit on Twitter on Sunday morning, uh, answering those fantasy questions. And I would say, hey, don't don't start Allen Robinson for as long as Trubisky is the quarterback. Um, so I might take that one back, but you know, I'm still not looking forward to to watching Trubisky too much. Yeah, I think Robinson's a fine wide receiver too. I think we talked about it last week. If you've got him, he's fine to start. I think he's going to underperform from here on to, to where he did the first half of the season. Uh, I don't think he's going to finish at wide receiver 16. I think he'll be more in that 22 to 24 range. But yeah, Allen Robinson, he's a wide receiver one. He's clearly a talented player. And Mr. Bisky has flashed. Uh, a big game here and there so if you've got him I think you're still starting him but um, my expectations are definitely controlled for what Allen Robinson's going to be from here on out absolutely well everyone listening go follow us on Twitter Instagram check us out on YouTube we're out here grinding putting out podcasts putting out great fantasy content this ends episode three of the first double move sports podcast Alex, anything you want to say to the people before we go? Yeah, one last thing. I think we have to do this this week. It's the one time this season I'm going to be playing Steph in fantasy football. So we, if Steph will agree, are going to make a water bet on our winner for this week's fantasy football matchup. We have Steph and his team named Secure the Bag against my Gruden Grinders. Steph, what do you think? Shoot. Oh, I really, really don't want to pour water on myself, but you know what? I'm doing it. Let's go. Let's do it. And for those of you that don't know, Waterbet is something that the fantasy footballers, awesome podcasters in this industry, we get a lot of our um, inspiration and ideas from them and things that they do. They coined this term Waterbet. It's basically um, a bet and the loser has to pour water on their head, fully clothed, and release a video of it. So... Keep your eyes out next week. Either I or Steph will be pouring water <laughs> on our heads and posting it on to our socials. So best of luck to you this week, Steph. Um, and we'll see who ends up dry. So there you go. Lock it in. Week 11 water bet. Steph and Alex. Big matchup this weekend. Super pumped. Looking forward to it. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll see you next time.